That's okay. I mean, it's, uh, it's a situation that was... Uh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to We Have No Cares, uh, a very mixed set of emotions here on the podcast today. Um, the absolute delight that is the essence of football, uh, an incredible heart-stirring victory against our rivals, and also the loss of a man who typified exactly one of those victories. Uh, I'm joined by Robert Borswick. Hello. And uh, for the first time this season, we have a guest over the World Wide Web cruising down the information superhighway. It's Mr. Craig Cairns. Hello, how are you doing? Did you get my electronic mail earlier? <laughs> <laughs> Heard of it. I will, I will ping you an ICQ. That's one for the oh, kids. Fucking hell, mate. Okay. Uh, but yes, um, there is only one way to begin uh, the podcast this week, and that is to pay tribute to Mario Seleucus, an absolute giant of a man, uh, an incredible story at Hearts. I mean, if you just look at the raw numbers, uh, 222 appearances for Hearts by a distance the most by any non-Scottish player. Um, I believe the next is uh, Thomas Flogel and uh, Gilles Roussey on 164. Um, and uh, inc- became the captain, cup winning captain, uh, a vital player. Uh, made the most appearances of any player in that cup winning season with 47 across all competitions. Um, but amazing that he reached those heights after his start to his Hearts career. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the that's always the biggest thing with Zellikas is looking at the, the arc and his story uh, at Hearts from signing in the summer of 2006 after um, an interesting display in a friendly against Osasuna. Uh, you know, Andres Walitska scored in that game as well, and he was signed. Uh, and we were kind of like, oh, well, he scored. Fair enough. But that was the flippant nature of Lithuanians at Hearts at that time. It was like, which one are we going to get? Mm-hmm. Which one do we want? And we never referred to them by name because we're fucking stupid Scottish people. So he was number 26. That incredibly disrespectful title that he was given by Hearts fans to start with because they just didn't like him. He was played in defensive midfield. Wasn't his best position. Having said that, he actually did put in some good performances there. But as I said, the the uh, the, the tide was turning on Lithuanians and Mr. Romanov's involvement in the club by this time because this coincided with Presley leaving a year before that. Burley had left and there was a lot of uh, disgruntlement. But Zaliukas came in at that time. And who could have seen him becoming this colossus, this legend? I mean, legend is the word. There's no other word to use for Mary Zaliukas. A lot of people, a couple of people have been in touch with me saying cult hero. You know, is he a cult hero? Is he a hero? What is he? He's a legend. He's a legend. He he is synonymous with the biggest derby win of all time. He's the captain. He lifted the trophy. He's a legend. I think you've touched on. <clears throat> I think you've touched on something interesting there, and in uh, he didn't have the most complicated Lithuanian surname. But I think as soon as uh, British people see a Z in the name, they're like, no, 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 I'm no. not. I'm not having any truck with that. It's not right. Um, but Craig, I mean, it's very interesting. Um, we do sometimes see uh, players from beyond these shores uh, become so enmeshed in the spirit of a club like Hearts, but uh, Zaliukas really, really took to it. Yeah, yeah, and as kind of Rob's alluded to there, he kind of he went through a lot to to get there as well. The the cup win for me that that's um, one of my favourite Hearts moments in modern history is when you see him kind of you see him crying before going up to get the cup and he almost goes up the wrong stairs and he, he has to get pushed in the right direction. He's kind of over-egging it a little bit, I think. But I think that was uh, very much Mario Zalukas' personality. I think uh, some of the clips that I've been kicking about today with him kind of mucking about at training and things like that, you could see that he was kind of like this larger-than-life personality and that kind of shone through there as well. And even just when he's handed the cup and he kind of he's about to be handed the cup and he takes a step back and he's got his head in his hands again for a second, he's just, yeah... He, he, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to add to what Rob said there. With he's just a just an absolute Hearts legend. I, I fully fully agree. Um, it, it is interesting. We have seen those sort of uh, 
uh, video clips coming around. And it is interesting to contrast that sort of uh, playful, uh, friendly character with how brutal he was on the pitch. Like he would rip through forwards. Yes, uh, and often get red cards for such things. Uh, not often, not always deserved. Um, you know, to, to my uh, sort of long-lasting memories as I look at out with that 2011-2012 uh, side was the time that uh, Lee Miller punched him in the face and then Zalyukas got sent off for it mm-hmm. up at Pataudry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was good. And then the other one was at Pataudry as well and it shows a, a bit more of the, the fun side of him was the worst nil-nil draw I have ever, ever sat through uh, at Pataudry. It was like the 29th of December 2011 and he comes over to, to get a throw-in and the Hearts fans are singing, do, 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 Marius Ali. And he starts singing along and starts sort of like doing a conga by himself along the Hearts. And it's just like, it's just, it shows the personality of the guy. Um, and yeah, it, it just it absolutely knocked me for six when I when I learned that he'd, he'd passed away. It's horrible. It takes a certain personality to start a conga. And I think Marius Ali <laughs> was, was certainly that personality. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the, there's very little else to add. I mean, I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast who has any memories of Maria Seljukas at all feels exactly the same that we that, that we do. Um, uh, and again, just the, um, the the terrible sensations it brings when you think of somebody who was so so strong and so athletic to be brought low so young by such a, a terrible terrible disease. Our thoughts go out to his family and to everyone who was touched by his life. And um, we honour Marius Aliukas today. Having said that, on to the game. Yes! Fucking yes! The most electrifying game of football that we have had. The only good game of football in 2020, as far as I'm concerned. Heart of Midlothian 2 Hibernian won in a national semi-final. Robert, can you sum it up in a sound? <laughs> yes, very appropriate. I mean, I, th- I think Craig's got a sound in him, but I'm not sure. It's, uh, it's difficult to make out in this pixelated form. Yeah, uh, have, I, have I got a sound in me? Have you? Dig deep. Yeah, fucking beauty! <laughs> Sorry, I think I, I think I overdid it a wee bit. <laughs> well, what I like is that we very professionally moved further away from the mic when we were shouting. You went straight in there. You decided that you needed every bit of fizz and pop in order to <laughs> convey your feelings there. But yeah, I can't I'm- see you, Nicole, either. It's a wee bit disconcerting. I had to just imagine what you were doing there while making that noise. <laughs> Nic- Nicole is actually just a disembodied voice. I, I didn't know if-, if anyone knew that, but there you go. Uh, well, it was that game that did it to me. Nickel is just a gas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the it's been a terrible year to be a football fan, particularly a fan of Heart and Midlothian. Now, you know, we, we, we all love going to any game we can get to when the boys in Maroon are playing. But, goodness me, playing against every disrespect to them, Arbroath and Wraith while you're watching in your living room and you can't be there and you can't be with your mates and you can't get involved. I I felt so cut off from it. I felt so like I want us to win, but uh, uh, this is going to be a podcast of sounds apparently. (laughs) Um, But I mean, Robert, describe how much we were cheering at everything that happened on Saturday. I absolutely lost it. I nearly broke my hand celebrating the second goal because I punched the floor five times. I, I, I really enjoyed myself, man. And it was it was that feeling because the the worst thing about the game for me was the build up. There was it was non-existent. There was nothing. Mm. And I, I think you know, I said said on the terrace podcast. I said on a couple of group chats with Hearts pals. The the excitement of a derby and the needle of a derby comes from the knowledge that you're going to be there, or it comes from the knowledge that someone that you know will be there and can really really on first-hand information. It comes from the knowledge that you're going to be watching a game that has an atmosphere that comes through on the television screen. With none of that, there was nothing. It was such an empty, just a vacant build-up to this derby. It was, you know, sound bites from Jack Cross and Robbie Nielsen that meant nothing. It was just rubbish. I but totally then, agree with that. Well, yeah. Sorry, yeah, just it, add to that. I, I think that even when you're watching a game in these times, like if there were, if there was a crowd in there, you you could even like empathise with them going nuts at the goals and the incidents and things like that. But when that's not there, you don't even have that kind of empathy as a, as a viewer in these kind of times. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I was worried about what that meant for the game itself and my enjoyment of the game itself because I was like, oh, you know, if there's been no build-up, 
how do you, how do we think this is going to go? I barely even celebrated when Craig Whiten scored against our bros. Like, I, I barely even raised a fist. Like, it was it was basically nothing. So I was like, I don't know what this is going to be like. But uh, you know, a few cans of San Miguel and uh, some some dodgy refereeing decisions really helped bring it to life. And and it's what you wanted to see from a derby. I think for the neutral, uh, the first ninety minutes probably wasn't amazing. Extra time was spectacular as a as a spectacle, but you just became embroiled and involved with the game as it went on. Um, you know, more and more as it went on. It was it was fantastic. It was great to feel something about football again. Uh, Craig, what was your uh, viewing situation for the game? Did you were you able to to gain some of these feels? I was I, I live about a two minute walk from the stadium, yet I had to sit on my couch watching it. And I I, I had a I watched it via Zoom with a with a friend. That's that's as uh, close as I got to watching it with somebody else. Uh, but were were you out of your seat? Were you top of your voice cheering? That's the second time I misunderstood what you're asking me. This is going well, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I was screaming. Yes, I was interrupting the conversation to shout things like "What a fucking save!" and Craig fucking White and, and things like that. Yeah, I was I was definitely celebrating these ones. I, I again, I agree with Rob that I, I haven't really been that um, exercised much. Other than the quality of the goals in the Dundee game, I've not really like felt compelled to kind of celebrate goals much, but that was definitely not the case on Saturday. Craig fucking Whiten, that is the nuanced word smithery that your career is renowned for. Right, but now I, I, I'm taking you up and taking you down, but I, I do feel that before we get into the game, we should touch on uh, the tragic loss that Kevin Nisbet suffered before this game that we have uh, just found out about. Um, I mean, the, for him to to stand up and play in that game and take the penalty th- that he did, of course he missed, that's by the by. Um, to just be present in that situation is quite incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, I found, about it, found out about it later on Saturday evening. Um, and just, you know, re- reading the, the, the tribute that Kevin Nisbet wrote or, or said himself uh, to Hibs Media today, um, it shows you what... A mature young laddie he is, um, and and how well he he really did. I think he discussed it with his with his dad uh, before he passed away, saying, "Regardless, you should play in this game, regardless of what happens. You know that's what I want you to do." And you can tell, like, the performance that he put in, um, and having the courage and the confidence to take that penalty uh, says it speaks absolute volumes about the boy. Um, and it's it's just just a horrific week for Edinburgh football. Um, you know, sort of said it before we came on air. It's such a tight city, and although there's a massive rivalry uh, rivalry between the teams and between the sets of fans, you know when things like this happen with Mary Saliukas with Kevin Nisbet's dad, it brings the city together, and it's you know it shows you how close households and and friendships are within the city. That you know it, it's it's an outpouring of grief, and, and rightly so for just two real tragic things that have happened in the last week. It's it's horrible. And fair play to him for being involved in the first major incident of the game. Uh, his header bringing out an absolutely world-class save from Craig Gordon. What did you think of that, Mr. Cairns? We, we've signed 2006 Craig Gordon. How the hell did that happen? He's already, <laughs> he's already pulled out three top-class saves this season. That was definitely the best one. And I think... I don't think it's quite his best, but I think it will be among the conversation of his best saves, especially given... The, the magnitude of it and how important it turned out to be in the end. Because if we concede in that, and they had a couple other chances as well, if we concede in that first half, I mean, it's quite an uphill battle for us, I think. You can tell how good Craig Gordon thought the save was because he was pissing himself laughing after it as if to say, how the fuck did I just do that? Um, well, he had every right to, because I think, Craig, you're, you're picking up on something uh, important there because not only is Craig Gordon advancing in years, his terrible injury records meant that the uh, athleticism and reactions that he pulled off to, to make that save are quite astonishing. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think with Gordon, his injury woes um, have been about, you know, they're about five years in the past now. And it seems that he's really, you know, with the help of actually Rangers um, and then Celtic uh, sort of getting him back into football, because it was a, a real sort of threat of him maybe retiring at one stage, just with the amount of injuries he's had. But in the last five years or so, he's he's basically got a, an unblemished record. He's had a couple of knocks and stuff, but yeah, he just seems to be like Craig Cairns is saying. Two thousand and six, Craig Gordon has signed for Hearts. How handy! Yeah, but he's just way more handsome now. So he's he's so dishy. And, 
how how amazing is it that we are uh, we've got the best goalkeeper in the competition, even though we started the competition with fucking Popadom wrists and Slamal <laughs> and uh, co- co- uh, I was going to call him Conan Doyle there. That's something completely different. <laughs> Conan, Conan. <laughs> the author. <laughs> It certainly was a mystery how we ever got a game, eh? Aye, hey, 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 lads! Hey, hey. <laughs> Did you hear me? No. No. Uh, but yes, uh, I mean, and as you were alluding to, save from Craig Gordon continued to be on the agenda. Um, one interesting save from Alex Godgich, and uh, late on when we were seeing out the game, an absolutely outstanding one from Christian Deutsch. Robert, take your pick of which one you want to discuss. I'll take the Gogic one, thanks. Um, I think that's a slightly underrated save. Uh, Billy Dodds on the BBC coverage uh, mentioned that he'd got away with one there. I don't think that's necessarily true. When you see the, the speed at which the ball comes and the way it squirts off the surface right up at him, he gets his full body behind it. He doesn't really care about where it's going as long as it doesn't go in the back of the net. He doesn't try and hold on to it because that's a you know that's a very stupid thing to do. He lies on the ground in case the ball goes under and then obviously can put his arms up if it goes higher. I think that it, it looked unorthodox, probably because it was unorthodox, but it's a decent save all the same. I, I think he maybe deserves a little bit more credit for that save. Uh, obviously, it's nowhere near the Nisbet save um, or the save that uh, I'm sure Craig Cairns is about to take on. Uh, the overhead kick from the famously athletic Christian Deutsch. Um, but no, I, I think it's slightly underrated. And there's another good one from Joe Newell uh, that was deflected in the, the first half of extra time as well, which he did well to get down to. Well, Craig, pick up the baton. I think the the second save you were talking about, the one from Deutsch, first of all, it's an absolutely fantastic effort from Christian Deutsch. I think that's quite a routine save. I think if he lets that in, we're, we're calling it a howler. I, I will give him his due that it came... Uh, he saw it a little bit late, I think, because I think it goes past two players before he can kind of see it. But uh, So it was a decent save, but it was nowhere near as good as the, the one in the first half. He also must have thought he was on some sort of acid trip when he saw Christian Deutsch flinging a leg <laughs> from that sort of distance. He's been like, nah, that's not true. <laughs> well, he sort of saw that body contorting in that way, and then he remembered how his body had contorted earlier yeah. in the game. So, well, maybe it makes sense. Oh, yeah, I better save this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, he, he got around to it and that was fantastic. Now, mm. as you alluded to, the uh, the main body of the game uh, was a little derbyish, a little scrappy. Uh, I think a lot of that owes to the conditions, which were absolutely howling. Uh, but the, the game really turned for me on the subs that were made in the 55th minute. Very interesting, I felt, Robert. Mm, Jamie Walker taking a knock. Uh, and he was kind of unfit coming into this game anyway he didn't offer a huge amount while he was on the pitch I think the first half it didn't pass him by as such he was still involved but he he just wasn't able to do the Jamie Walker things that we know and love which is you know getting shots away and and being able to feed the the front men Naismith hasn't played a single minute of competitive football this season I don't think Uh, I don't know he maybe played earlier in the Betfred Cup but he's not played in the last couple of weeks Um, and obviously Peter Haring no one like it's basically yeah I, I don't know what it, what it is with Peter Haring it's like you know when uh, in comedy films two guys have got a big long pane of glass and mm-hmm. they're trying to walk down the street and there's like cars and bikes coming Peter Haring's the pane of glass I'm so worried <laughs> he's just going to smash at any moment but they both came on and what a difference it made Hibs were really getting a foothold in that game uh, they were beginning to create a lot more uh, Boyle was getting a little bit more space down the right hand side um, and changing to a diamond with Naismith on the left, Ollie Lee on the right, just really made such a huge difference to how we were playing that game. Well, I think your, your point about uh, Walker's knock uh, is interesting, and I would further that into Robert's general fitness. I mean, both were doubts before the game, and Walker certainly took a knock about after half an hour, perhaps a little bit later. Uh, I was almost surprised to see Walker come on for the second half because he'd been so... Uh, impaired Mm -hmm. but I have an inkling I have no idea but I think the game plan was is that um, the coaching staff knew that Haring and Naismith had a maximum of an hour in them Mm -hmm. Uh, and they will have said to Walker and to a lesser extent Roberts give us everything you can because we we need to make sure it's not much more than an hour we try and get out of these old bodies but uh, Craig the the old bodies certainly had an impact yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. They they really changed the game in our favour. Not only did we score 
within minutes of them coming on, you just instantly saw that um, we kept the ball better. We were more competitive when it came to things like second balls and things like that. Um, and with Naismith, you've got like a manager on the pitch as well. Not only that, I think one of the crucial things was, well, clearly because he scored the goal, um, is Whiten went up front. And I think Whiten's a talented player. He's not a winger. And I know that him playing on the wing on Saturday was more needs must just because Ginelli being missing and um, it wasn't ideal. I, I know that that's not where Robbie Nielsen wants to play him, but you saw the difference. As soon as he went up front, you saw him drop in and link in and picking a pass. And that was before he even scored the, the opening goal. So, um, yeah, it, it, it worked in our favour a lot of ways, though, that double substitution. I just can't believe you called Peter Haring's body old. He's a young man. <laughs> He's certainly young compared to me and Greg. He's like 27. Is he? Really? Yeah. Jesus. His, his haircut looks about 43. <laughs> um, Having no hip is not young. Well, that, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Um, the, the, the interesting thing about the, the shape, you're right. I think it did um, maximise the team's uh, abilities. And what was most interesting about it, um, we've kind of glossed over it so far, but uh, up to this point in the game, I was feeling that Ollie Lee was Hart's man of the match, uh, Craig Gordon's spectacular interventions aside. Uh, this was the best Ollie Lee has been this season and possibly ever in a heart shirt. What do you think? I don't know about ever. Uh, I think the start of the 2018-19 season when we were running away with things, Ollie Lee was fantastic uh, at that time. He was chipping in with goals, getting loads of assists, and him and Haring had a, a real partnership going. I would say, I would describe this uh, appearance as more promising, that maybe he can get back to that sort of level. Um, he... He did. He played well. I think in the first half, he kept things kind of tidy. Um, there was a, a, quite a few misplaced passes, not from him, uh, I should add. In the, the midfield, Jordan Roberts was short quite a lot. Halliday was. And Lee was kind of the safe bet in the middle of the park for us that we knew that he would probably keep the ball. Moving him to the right uh, was just a masterstroke, the right of that, uh, that diamond, because he almost immediately popped up with a fantastic assist, albeit uh, he had like 90 yards of space to run into unopposed. Uh, so you can hope that he'd come up with a cross like that. But um, yeah, just he has not been great this season. Um, I was kind of hoping that he'd come back and, and be a, a new a new man, a new signing. Uh, but he was pretty poor against our growth. Wasn't that great against Dundee either. So yeah, to see him put in a performance like this against top flight opposition as well uh, was incredibly promising. I would suggest that this right of midfield position is uh, the best for Ollie Lee. Uh, because it means he doesn't have as many defensive duties to worry about. Certainly not the defensive duties that uh, a player right in the middle of the park has to. Uh, and his his right foot can absolutely provide crosses. But it leads me on to thinking that this generally might be the best 11 for Hearts, or at least the best formation for Hearts. We can slot in and out players as, they, uh, as need be. But those deliveries and making sure we've got uh, White and Anne Boyle up front, uh, Boyce up front. <laughs> you were doing that during the game as well, man. It got really annoying. <laughs> and now I can't blame it on Stout. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, the the two up top, the deliveries from Lee on the on the right hand side, it could be our best formation. But uh, Craig, I think the the issue with that is is like how often can we have those players that make that formation work reliably fit? Yeah, it depends on who's available and who's playing because, yeah, I mean, if Ginelli's um, fit and available, you imagine he plays there. I mean, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying there. I, I, I've i been a big fan of Ollie Lee's and he's let me down so many times. So many times I keep saying I, I, he's got it in him and I quite like him. And he, he went away on that loan spell and did well. He was good, as Rob said, uh, at the start of that season before it all came crumbling down and it's never quite got as good since. Um yeah, he's got, and I'm sure the last semi-final as well. He's not very good in the last semi-final at Hamden as well. The uh, against Inverness, did not yeah, look like he, he was. maybe a half. Yeah, a half because I think we were poor for 45 minutes of that game. But yeah, no, I've always been a fan of his. But I'm sure he'll he'll go back to being crap against Inverness next or something like that. <laughs> probably, I'd like to see a good consistent run from him. Um, but yeah, there's been there's been a few false starts. So I'm starting to get quite skeptical. Fair play. Um, the the other interesting thing about that midfield diamond is it possibly supports uh, Halliday, uh, gives him a bit more around him and frees him up to do what Halliday loves best. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, 
how is similar to Lee in that he hasn't hit the ground sprinting uh, this season. He's got, you know, parts... He's hit the ground shuffling. He's hit the ground shuffling. He's got decent parts to his game that everyone knows because we've been watching him in Scotland for five, six years. And, you know, before that, when he was down at Bradford as well, we know what he, we know what he enjoys doing and what he likes doing. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Joel Sked uh, said earlier on that he maybe underestimated uh, quite how well Halliday played in that game. I think that the first half, uh, the game didn't pass him by whatsoever, but his passing was off. Um, even on a zippy pitch, he was underplaying passes, which was, you know, sometimes putting us under pressure. Um, but he was full-hearted. Uh, he got stuck in. And, yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to play Haring and Halliday in the same midfield and Lee and Naismith, because there's no width there. Yeah, There's zero width there. Um, so I think that... You know, I, I'm not 100% convinced. Maybe get Janelli in there or Roberts on one side and make it a bit more balanced. But uh, yeah. Well, our playing such an error formation was facilitated by Boyle having a fairly off game, Doig having a fairly terrible game by his standards, and uh, Jamie Murphy being absolutely dog shit. Ah. But, uh, you know, the, we, we, it's horses for courses and we'll see how it comes. Uh, but anyway. We're getting on to the to the really good stuff now, boys. The, this formation led to a wonderful goal from Ollie Lee in his new position and Craig White in his new position. Talk us through it, Craig Cairns. Well, we uh, we kind of counter them, don't we? We there's a couple of challenges that I think in another game might one of which would have been given as a foul, but Colum seems to be quite lenient. And then we, we yeah we just counter them quickly. The ball finds its way to Lee on the right and Doidge. Uh, no, not Deutsch, the other one, Doig, the one that sounds very similar to him. He's backing off and backing off when I think he maybe should uh, come to him and um, picks out picks out White at the back post to has not only played the pass to Lee and uh, he's ran past about five Hibs defenders and nobody seems to have picked him up. Hanlon, I think, gives him up at the edge of the box and Port, uh, Portios doesn't follow him and he, he's just, um, he guides it well though. He, he's still got a bit to do, I guess. He, he did what uh, Nesbitt didn't do in the first half, I suppose. I think you have to wonder where McGinn was when uh, uh, Whiten was quite so free with that cross came in. I think Porteous certainly was wondering where McGinn was. But uh, yeah, a, a, a tremendous header, header and placed across the keeper, Robert. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of exactly what uh, what Mr Cairns said there. It, it's exactly what Hibbs failed to do um, in the first half. Is, you know, we, we got spaced on the same right-hand side. It was pretty much the exact same cross into the box. But yeah, um, yeah, watching it again, I think Hanlon is probably more at fault because he literally, Whiten just runs past him and Hanlon is then marking nobody. He just runs to the front post uh, and then Porteous is in there to defend the six-yard box. He's kind of in the place that he probably should be, but no one's followed the runner from midfield. And I, I think, you know, having that change of formation and, and giving them two bold people to worry about instead of just one mm-hmm. uh, in the middle when crosses are coming in caused a bit of havoc. Uh, and that's that's kind of what happened. And, and Whiten, such a great run because he does really well to, to hold the ball up and find Lee in the first place. And then it's a striker's instinct. You run and you get yourself into the middle of the box in between the goals and then hope that the, the ball comes and finds you. And that's exactly what happened. It's just really good striker play. So what you're saying is the Hibs well, defence was organised in the same way as that automatic camera at the Cali game. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 all the Hibs defenders are actually pixel arts. Yeah. Uh, and they, they just, yeah, they're completely confused about which bold thing they should be following. All the de- Hibs defenders are pixie-locked. Yeah, all the Hibs defenders are pixie-locked. Uh, um, mid-2000s chanteuse. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's a Listen, take. Man, the cameras are called pixie-locks, and it's really, it's really confusing. Craig? What the fuck is that camera going to do when we play up there? But it's just like, it's going to be really confused by our bold army of strikers. They're going to they're going to make our bald army of strikers wear bonnets, <laughs> or you know like those um, big hearts uh, like maroon and white uh, curly wigs that like Scatcha wore after the cup final and stuff like that. Yeah, wigs, big wigs, wigs. Get a Jose Katongo wigs. Ooh, ooh, ooh. big wigs. <laughs> That's certainly what we are now. No sooner had the celebrations died down and our neighbours were calling the police, uh, we were. Completely subdued by uh, Hibbs getting a goal. Christian Doig slipping a clever header into the net. Doige. Doige. Yeah, Doige. yeah it's easy. Uh, Craig Cairns has thrown, off, thrown us off here. Uh, yeah, offside. Three of them, offside. 
quite clearly offside uh, when the ball comes in, but uh, it wasn't given um, as, as these ones quite often aren't when it's coming in from a free kick and there's a, a, a line uh, that's that's got to be followed. Dodge is, is great at that. He's actually running away from goal when he leaps uh, and he gets the, the backward header on it. It's a really nice finish and, and kind of the finish you'd expect from a, a big number nine like him. Um, you could maybe say that, that Halkett was caught underneath the ball, um, but then he's probably caught underneath the ball because Dodge is taking an unfair advantage by being offside. So, you know, you, you've got to look at these things uh, with uh, all the facts. But no, it was it's a decent header. Um, and yeah, as soon as it bounces off the turf, it skids up. I don't think Gordon's got a chance to, to get there. Neither do I. Over the course of the game up until that point, Hibbs deserved that goal. We, we did not deserve to be winning the game at that point. I think I, I certainly think that's fair to say that Hibs had looked the better team because by and large they were the better team. But um Hearts were scrapping it out and they were they took their chance and it took Hibs a while to take their chance. Uh but then Hearts uh, did not take their chance uh when Liam Boyce was put through on goal. Um Rob seems to have collapsed into an existential funk talking about that. So I think you're gonna to have to take us through that goal, Craig. Not goal. That well, miss precisely. Goal. Yeah. Yeah, he's just not quite at it yet, is he, Liam Boyce? He, he's um, been expecting a bit more from him. I know he scored a couple of goals from uh, from the spot, but there's no goals from open play yet, and he's he's had chances that there's an and he's kind of snatching at things and and not really connecting well with them. That one that he won the penalty for. Yes. against Dundee that, that was going miles wide even that shot and he's in a great position there he's around the penalty spot when he's striking that one so yeah there's something not quite right with uh, Boyce at the moment and he's being shown up by Bald Whiten Is this not though Craig wouldn't you say I mean to, to ram a football cliche straight back down your gullet is it not good that he's finding those positions Isn't, wouldn't you worry if he wasn't there to miss them yeah, and I'd also be worried if he hadn't scored those two penalties as well because it would be a complete barren spell, but at least he can still say to himself he's got two goals. So, uh, yeah, I, I do I do agree with you, with you there, yes. Fantastic. That's what, that's what I like to hear. It's a bad miss. He's caught in two minds. He doesn't know what he's doing. Is he going to lift it? Is he going to try and round the keeper? Is he going to try and meg the keeper? It's none of those things. It was, it was very frustrating. Well, uh, less frustrating was Hibs being denied uh, any penalties. Yeah, that was a weird one right at the end of the, the, the 90. Um, kind of looks like Halkett does foul uh, Deutsch in the first instance. Um, he's kind of got his arms around his back a little bit. They both fall over, which maybe helps Halkett's case. Bobby Madden is standing right the fuck there and doesn't see anything in it. And then Boyle does foul Halkett. He drags him back. Um, so I don't think there's... I think that was a right decision, but I think we maybe, maybe got away with one uh, with the first one there. I think that was probably a penalty. When you look at the penalties that were given in this game, I would say that one was a penalty. It certainly was the kingdom of soft penalties because, yeah. uh, well, does he does he go down easy, Jonio? He dives. He just he just dives. He di- There's no contact whatsoever. He's expecting contact because Popescu looks like he's about to chuck a leg out. Popescu does really well, sees him at the corner of his eye and just goes down on his knees basically and you know puts his arms away. Does not touch him at all. Not single bit of contact, and then Newell throws himself to the ground, puts his arms up, and asks for the penalty. So yeah, it's a complete and utter dive. But tell you what, fantastic dive. It's part of the game, so you have to appreciate it when it's done well. And he's done really well to dive there. Um, he, from Willie Collum's angle, it looks like a penalty. From the the angle of where the camera was, it looked like a penalty. Bobby Madden is uh, obstructed by Stephen Kingsley, so he can't see it straight on. But the way that it was going with Popescu looking like he was diving in, he probably thought, yes, that is a penalty. So, yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal dive. Fair play to him. Do you want to praise Hibs players cheating, Craig? <laughs> I mean, it really, I shouted at the time it was a penalty. I thought it was a penalty in first viewing as well. He he, he sold me a dummy as well. I, um, I, That's well, what I mean. It's a great point. dive. It's a really good dive. <laughs> Anyway, as, as far as diving goes, yeah, that was a very good one. I thought Pepescu it kind of summed up uh, his game. I know he didn't do anything wrong to in that tackle, but the way he got himself into that funk in the first place was poor. And he's definitely the weak link in our defence. They had a, he had a few moments where he could have done a bit better. He got caught when he took his book in in the first half. I think uh, he got caught in possession around the centre circle and had to pull Nesbitt back. 
and he's not quite aggressive in the air enough. And uh, I, I don't know, he's supposed, to be, he's supposed to be better with the ball at his feet, but there was a few times where he was found wanting with that as well. So, yeah, I, I think um, he certainly needs to improve, I think. I, I would counter any criticism of the Hearts' uh, two centre-halves by saying Dodge and Nisbet have arguably been the best strike partnership in Scotland this season, and they both looked fairly impotent. <laughs> Uh, you know, Dodge got his goal, fair enough, but I think playing them over 120 minutes, I think Halkett and Popescu, all things considered, did pretty well in that game. I think Popescu, he terrifies me. He absolutely terrifies me for things like the penalty. Um, however, he, he did pull away from that. But I think generally speaking, like Halkett was Halkett was strong. Um, I thought Popescu was fine defensively. I think with the ball at his feet, yes, you're right, he, he was wayward, but... Yeah, I, I think both of them can come out of that game saying good job, well done against what is two very good strikers for him. Well, let's take that lavish praise for uh, half of the Hearts backline and spread it to someone who you've been a, a huge supporter of, a big advocate in the season so far. Uh, the the stunning English left back, Mr. Adrian White. Well, you see, the a- right. So the Ad White that I really dislike is a left back. <laughs> Fair. This, yes. This is Aiden White, who's a left winger, who came on <laughs> in that game. It's two different players. So he came on on left wing as a wide midfielder. I I like that guy. He's he, he's got some promise. I hope the left backs left. Right. We, we you hope that we've rescinded his contract and mm-hmm. given that money to Aiden White, the combative and uh, forceful left-sided midfielder who won as a penalty. He honestly, in his performances so far this season, looks like a man possessed. He, he brought it like he, honestly. He I mean, brought, it would certainly explain that haircut. It would. Uh, he the 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 sheer hard running that he does, and the you know flying at the challenges, and, and generally just getting really angry. It's like ah, I didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> okay, uh, and then yeah, for the penalty, um, it, it's kind of him and Naismith both make the exact same run, um, and then White cuts inside, recognizes what's going on, uh, gets to the ball ahead of Paul McGinn, and falls over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not a dive but certainly did his best to win that penalty. Sorry, the only difference with this one is that there was some contact. Uh, Craig, would you now like to lambast a Hearts player for cheating? Uh, It wasn't... Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't call this one cheating. I think it's more... I I think that one's more... Because you... There is an unwritten rule in football where you can take... Feel the contact and go down, even if that is disproportionate. I mean, you like you see see players' legs fall away from them when they get hit in the shoulder or whatever. Those kind of things can happen. So, I I think I, I wouldn't call it a dive or cheating. I think it's I think it would have been a penalty if White had got into possession of the ball and then there had been that contact from behind from again. I think that's a penalty. But I don't think White is ever in possession of that ball, so I don't think it can be a penalty. Well, my position is that the player being fouled is a Hearts player and the player doing the fouling is a Hibs player. Therefore, it is a penalty. I mean, I can't fault any of that logic, really. And uh, it's stuck away with a plum by Liam Boyle. Boyce, God. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) I was actually trying to get it right that time. (laughs) I thought myself. (laughs) Sort yourself out, man. Good Lord. Well, um... Yes, I um, I think that it's the, the one part of his game that he looks very confident in just now, Liam Boyce, uh, is penalty taken. Um, as soon as he put it down, uh, you know, the, the you could tell, yeah, a lot of the time you can tell by looking at a footballer if he's confident. And I kind of knew he was going to thump it, and that's exactly what he did. Marciano guesses right. Probably Marciano's arm is at about ball height as well. It's just hit too hard. It basically goes right through him. Um, and he, he very much seemed to enjoy it, uh, especially considering at that time of the game, Liam Boyce has run himself into the fucking ground. He is knackered mm-hmm. physically by that stage, but mentally he he had it. He was all there, and yeah, it was a great a great relief, a great release when that went in. Well, I certainly enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, and yeah, from then on, it was Hearts seeing out the game. Obviously, we had that save from Doija mm-hmm. that uh, we have previously discussed, but. Um, Incredible scenes at the the full time whistle, particularly from uh, the management team, wouldn't you say, Craig? I would. Yeah, I'm still. My sight is still recovering from the glare from Lee McCulloch's teeth, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the contrast of the teeth and then the fake tan. 
I might be a real tan, but I'd, you know, he's been in Scotland for long enough. Um, the, the tan and the teeth, it's quite a look from Jig. It's a think... Ross Geller-esque. Yes. <laughs> it's maybe like a picture of a Dorian Gray thing, like he just chose his skin rather than his teeth. <laughs> so the teeth are, are withering as much as his health glows. Uh, but I, I mean, I... I find um, I I love Robbie Nielsen, but he's not the most uh, demonstrative of people. But this is the most animated I've seen him since the uh, the Ushtert goal in that particular derby. Uh, Robbie Nielsen this time around has a, a glint in his eye. He has a, a real swagger and attitude that he did not have the first time round, and that's been translated onto the pitch with the players as well. Um, I think you, you could see that from <clears throat> pardon me. You see that from the the performance on Saturday. You could see that from the performance against Dundee against teams that have genuinely wronged Hearts. Hearts have gone out and fucking turned them over because I think he's in the players' ears every single day in the lead up to that, saying right, fucking doing them this week. And he's got this attitude, as I say, that you know we saw it in the Ostert game, but that was very much a one-off for that season. In the game against Dundee, when the goals went in, the camera panned him, he was fucking going mental. And it means, it just seems to mean a lot more. And I think he gets it a lot more now, this time, what it is to be Hearts manager. He's made mistakes in the past and he's now trying to, you know, correct those mistakes. And he's done that in this game against Hibs. Surely at least a part of that is having to live with Dundee United for a couple of seasons. And now he just feels like, oh oh God, this is an actual football club. This is great. Uh, well, um, but yes, it was a, a joyous, joyous moment and a, a fitting end to what was just a, a wonderful game of football, um, no matter what the result was. But the result was that Hearts fucked him. So, hey! hey. Uh, and that has earned us yet another uh, cup final against Celtic. Um, I, I don't know, did you see much uh, of their game against Aberdeen? Do you have any thoughts on this, Craig? On the Celtic Aberdeen game, sorry, I was too busy making a noise. Uh, any any thoughts Celtic about in the final again? Any thoughts about Celtic and Hearts playing them in general? Well, I mean, they just fucking win everything, don't they? It's boring. It's boring as fuck. But um, I don't know. Let's see. It's it's a it's a strange year. It's strange times. Who knows who's going to have who available by then? Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not confident at all because it's Celtic and they fucking win everything. You look roundly uninspired by the thought of playing Celtic. It's quite incredible. I hate playing Celtic. Yeah, Celtic at Hamden. Yeah. Well, my, my hot take is, is that I can make the case that I would rather play Celtic in the final than Aberdeen because Aberdeen, same as Celtic, are demonstrably a better team than Hearts at this moment in time. But Aberdeen would be so switched on for that game. It's their best chance to win a trophy for, for decades. It doesn't really matter what they do in the league. They are going to finish third, no matter how good or bad their, their form fluctuates. Celtic at least have got a lot more to lose in the league. They, their form has been patchy so far. It could be patchy again if they maybe throw too many eggs in the Europa League basket or whatever. So I, I could see them having a moment where they're slightly below par. Is that enough? I reckon Aberdeen would bottle it. Aberdeen are bottle merchants. Even the cup they won a few years ago, they bottled it. It's just Inverness were too shit to take advantage of it. And Hearts bottled that semi-final in which we could have beaten Aberdeen in that final as well. Um, yeah, Celtic aren't bottlers. Um, and it's kind of shown after one of the toughest weeks that they've had in a couple of years, three years probably, uh, they showed up and roundly tanked Aberdeen. You know, they know how to win big games. Uh, having said that, the cup final in 2019, Hearts played really well and just about beat them with arguably a worse squad of players than what we've got now. So who knows? It'll be a laugh five days before Christmas. Well, you, I mean, you've certainly uh, uh, given my uh, anticipation and excitement for a cup final a good old kick in the balls there. But uh, uh, <laughs> what, what, what I... <laughs> what I love about this is like it's a, a cup final. We could win a cup final where none of us can go and we won't even get a European place out of it because those European places have already been given away. That would be very harsh. Extremely. Yeah. Well, at least we've won the cup. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that would be a decent <laughs> consolation. Yeah. Okay, so um, uh, unless anyone has anything more to say on that, on that game of association football? Just the fact that Hibs uh, do not and will not ever have the ability to beat Hearts at Hamden in these big games. Uh, Jack Ross played it down all week. He said it was going to be a, a tactical battle, all this stuff. Robbie Nielsen was basically saying, we're going to show up and it's going to run really hard and, you know, passion and we're going to beat them. And then, you know, the difference showed on the pitch. Uh, that's exactly what happened. We dragged them down to their level. Fine. That's what you can say, Hibs fans. 
Sure. <laughs> yeah. We fucking won though, didn't we? So who cares? Hibs do not have the bottle to beat Hearts at Hamden. It will never happen. I mean, fair play to Jack Ross. He did manage to avoid a four-goal pumping from Hearts at Hamden. I mean, and, that, and a couple of people have tried that before and failed. So, I mean, that's a pretty decent result for Hibs at Hamden against Hearts. So, well, that, I mean, fair that, play. That's it. Jack Ross has managed Hibs to their best ever result at Hamden against Hearts. Uh, and I'm sure the Hibs fans are very grateful to him for that. Mm. Well, so moving on, songs time. Uh, and we are going to go with a suggestion from uh, Twitter user Adam Corbett, who is at ADS21, who suggested that the songs this week should be for Marius Eliukas. Uh, and I think we wholeheartedly agree with that format. Um, we're, we, we don't generally do tributes, but this is, I think, the, the best and most fitting tribute that we can make. So here we go with songs for Marius Eliukas. And so, as you are the guest, Mr. Cairns, uh, please lead us off with your song for Marius Eliukas. I'm honoured, I'm honoured. I'm sorry, Marius. <laughs> well, I heard there was the centre half that played midfield and made us laugh. But you don't really care for Hybies, do you? My neighbours are going to think I'm a fucking weirdo. And as Rudy scored the fourth, the fifth, could jab be off in the cup we lift? And from the stands we chanted, Zaliukas, Zaliukas, Zaliukas. This is going to link up well on a Zoom call, is it? Zaliukas, Zaliukas. I've got one more verse, I'm not going to go on for that long. You were big and strong, but we needed proof. When you scored in Leith, you raised the roof. You made the Hearts fans stay and take their shoes off. <laughs> you loved the smoke and you loved the red. We'll just forget he played for them. You'll forever be our captain, Zaliukas. Zaliukas. <laughs> Zaliukas. Zaliukas. Oh, Zaliukas. Not my best vocal performance. It's tremendous. So it was it was it was very, very moving. I mean, like two things to take away from that. Um one when uh the, the connection buffers, it kind of sounded like we had auto-tune on your voice. So <laughs> I really hope that comes across in the in the recording. And also it is extremely difficult to uh, synchronize singing. Over yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Great effort, though, man. Um, I, I I had the same tune. Oh, really? For that song. So I, I don't think it's going to be any better, anywhere near what Craig Cairns has come up with. Uh, I'll happily sit this one out. Oh, you're demurring. Oh, yes, yeah. I will happily happily leave this one to you guys. All right. Well, then uh, I guess it's just you and me, Cairns. Though. Kernzo. Uh, Kernzo. Kernzo. Did you like that? You didn't like that. <laughs> I hated it. I can't imagine what Craig thinks. <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> he, he looks I've heard of before. It's a new one. <laughs> it's, just, it's better than Kernzy. It's not. No. Okay. Well, um, mine is less heartfelt. Let's let's put it that way. I I I thought we'd go. <laughs> well, I, our show is built on stupid songs, and I thought. Let's do the stupidest song possible for a great man. Absolutely. So here we go. <clears throat> Zali Yukis snaps high bees, folds them like origami. Zali Yukis runs them down and heads directly to town. Zali Yukis haunts the dreams of timid cunts in white and green. Zali Yukis boots their boss, the greatest faceless lift of all. Very good. <laughs> Very good. C-bomb. C-bomb. Fun. Fantastic. Wow. Thank you. Well, I guess it falls to you to decide what was the most appropriate tribute. Oh, it's Cairns's, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, yeah, it's, it's that sort of uh, nonsense and daftness uh, that, that really made us sort of love Marius Lucas. He was, he was a, a wonderfully daft man. Uh, and, yeah, I think that's a, a fitting tribute uh, to talking about cunts in white and green. <laughs> I, I thought he would enjoy that most of all. Absolutely. Well, uh, we are coming to the end of the podcast, but it's time for 
your favourite segment and mine. It's the Beef Report. Mm-hmm. And our next game is on Saturday against Inverness Caledonian Thistle. Mm-hmm. Robert, what's the beef? Scott Gardner. Oh, our former chief executive. Was that his title? Uh, COO, chief operating officer. Is that what that means? Yes. Is it? Yeah. He's a big Q. Mm. Uh, yeah. So he um, misplaced the seats for the new stand when he was at Hearts. Uh, he, that was a misstep. Uh-huh. He tied us up with a uh, partnership with a warship. Uh, which I think has got to be one of the weirdest sponsorship things ever because we were sponsoring the ship. <laughs> I mean, you can see how we all reap the benefits of the Heart Midlothian name being <laughs> projected around the world. Bombing folk. Yeah, it was I, I, not one that I particularly agreed with. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's some beef there. Certainly some beef to be found. Otherwise, with Inverness, there's, you know, there's John Robertson and Brad Mackay and... Uh, uh, but, you know, Scott Gardner's there, so... Uh, yeah. That sounds like plenty of beef. Uh, Kernzo, you got anything against the fair city of Inverness? Uh, Sean Welsh. Oh, he's here. For, former hippie. Terrible hair, former hippie. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm almost out of it. Are, are those one of the ones that are supposed to be on our side? Did they vote with us? I've lost they, track. They, they, they did vote with us, Craig, but we need to manufacture beef uh, every week for this podcast. So, uh, just, Sean Welsh. Sean Welsh. Sean Welsh is fair enough. Uh, former hippie. A uh, bit of a bit of a live wire on the park. Yeah, we can we can hate. Okay, we can we can slap some beef right in there. Absolutely, fantastic. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> Craig Cairns, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Will you no come back again? Oh, yeah, please, anytime. Tremendous. Do you have anything to plug or an online presence to promote? Uh, listen to the tennis podcast. Uh, Rob, Rob's, Rob's familiar with that. Listen yeah, I've, heard that. I've heard of it. Yeah, you can get uh, me there. Doing a weekly show with uh, with uh, with Chris Iwulumo at the moment. Is that how you pronounce it, Craig? Is it? Is yeah, got there eventually. Took me a month, <laughs> but I got it right. Uh, no, I mean, if we're just punting terrorist things, fine. Uh, that weekly show with Chris Iwulumo is uh, fantastic. Really good listen. He is he is a very good signing for the terrorist podcast. I must say, uh, certainly more handsome than any of the cunts that have been on it so far. You're speaking to Craig Cairns. The housewife's favourite. Oh my god! <laughs> I think there's a reason to use his picture and not mine to promote. <laughs> uh, Robert, where can people find you? I'm at RF Borthwick, and I'm on Instagram, Robert Borthwick. That's nothing to do with football. There, it's just photos of me. Well, people can judge for themselves whether or not that's better or worse than Kernzo or Willemo. <laughs> that's true. Uh, where, where would people find you? They'd find me at Nicol Hay, but why the fuck would they want to? Oh, oh come on, man! Don't sell yourself short. Until next time, Steve Crawford. Steve Crawford. Steve Crawford. Ah, oh, yes, indeed, it's fun time, fun time, fun time. Gute Flanke von Hemmel. Achtung, die Schotten im Strafraum, den 2-2-1 für. Was für ein Weihnachtsgeschenk. How is it uh, difficult? What's difficult? We've just got to beat them again, don't we? Yeah, 